Welcome to the Personal Trainer Collective podcast, the only resource for personal trainers who are fed up with the status quo. If you want to stay ahead of the competition, build a thriving business and have the freedom to work on your own terms, you've come to the right place. Without further ado, let's take your confidence and education to the next level with this week's episode. In this podcast, me and Tom debate whether personal trainers should or should not provide nutrition coaching for their clients. To be a successful personal trainer, you need to have confidence and knowledge in the seven core components, Tom. They are training, nutrition, coaching, communication, business, marketing, and sales. And today, the first one ever on nutrition. Oh, really? Is it the first one ever? Yeah. Oh, wow. Because I, I basically was planning to just have Hannah, a uh, sort of registered dietitian, <laughs> to do the nutrition ones. Unlucky guys, you've got us two again. Yes. <laughs> Although Tom did inform me that part of his degree had in nutrition. In my third year of my bachelor's degree, I did do a, I picked to you do selected. a module on sports nutrition. And I've also done nutrition courses post. I just choose not to do nutrition as a. Uh, a thing as a trainer because uh, I am better at something else. Yeah. So, yeah. That's the training side. Sort of I've, al- I've always had Dan as well. So I'm yes. always like, if you want nutrition, go, speak to Dan. There. And then Dan's like, oh, you want sports? Go there. And yeah. Like, so you've got that sort of network yeah. referral network. So let's discuss, should person trainers coach clients in nutrition? What's your thoughts? Um, they should give guidance. Yes. Um, they need further CPD in nutrition to do coaching, whatever it be. Um, and I guess Hannah would be like, you have to be a registered dietitian to actually coach them properly. Yeah. So I suppose, I think it's one of the seven core components. So I feel like in the older days, it was a trainer just trained you. And yep. if you wanted to do anything with nutrition, it's like you have to go and pay someone else to do nutrition. But we know that training and nutrition like you can't have bad nutrition and good training or good training and bad nutrition and get results they go hand in hand it's part of a holistic program nutrition is part of it i feel like nowadays a personal trainer has to be the trainer the counselor the nutritionist the mental health practitioner i think personally i think the nutrition world is harder and more of a minefield than my training world. Maybe that's why I picked more to do training because there's there's more black and white yes or no answers in my world, I feel, than the nutrition world because there's so many different variables of diet and hormones and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like... Yeah. It can get really pretty complicated. Yeah. Apart from physics. Physics yeah. isn't complicated. In and out, that kind of thing. So, so we're, we're both in agreement that a personal trainer should have some way shape or form when it comes to nutrition with your they clients definitely should know more than the general public yeah thousand percent yes so when um we actually had hannah our registered dietitian and i, I think she wrote an article and it was like well what can p what can pts do when it comes to nutrition side of things enough i think it's very great even when i've spoken to like nutrition companies and stuff uh, insurance companies and i'll be like okay if your person trainer and you're giving nutrition advice, and maybe even like meal plans, because I've even said that before, it's down to the person making the claim to prove that you do not have knowledge in nutrition. So if you've done a qualification, whether it's accredited or not, or you have 
read maybe like your Amazon purchase history and it's like nutrition books, or you've passed an exam related to nutrition, I feel like it would be really hard for that person, the claimant, trying to prove that you don't know your stuff when it comes to nutrition for like without any special populations. Yeah. I always, I've always used the word and it seems to be the one that's battered around that we cannot prescribe. Yes. That's what I've had there. The easiest way to think of it is advise, not prescribe. Yeah. So when I actually spoke to Hannah, she was like, you can provide your clients with general evidence-based healthy eating advice. However, you should not be writing your client detailed diet plans or nutrition programs to follow. I agree with that, even if it wasn't legal or illegal to do so, purely because you're not really teaching them anything. Like you could go, "Here's here's your meal plan or your diet plan or whatever it is, and then it's eat X amount of chicken breast with X amount of rice and then a handful of whatever it would be. And it doesn't really, you go to the supermarket and oh, there's no chicken breast. What am I going to do? So it's more of like educating them on protein, fats, carbs, and food sources and alternatives and stuff like that. So the reason why she says that as well is for multiple reasons. Firstly, your client could have a complex medical condition. So when you're working with those like diabetes or and you provide wrong nutrition advice, Again, if something is specialist, for example, diabetes, it could be hyperglycemia, also known as low blood sugar levels. Like you could properly hurt someone with your unfounded nutrition advice. Yeah. Um, so that's why you also need to find that information out. And then, secondly, as I said, I think it's a grey area when it comes to uh, the insurance. Is like, are you insured to? Because like we can get insurance even just with PT Core for training and nutrition advice in person and online. So I'm like, there's, I mean, I know people that are going through their, their PT qualification with us, don't even have their certificate yet and have rang up insurance providers and said, can I be in, get insurance for this? And they've just given it to them. They've not even shown any proof of certification. That's the world we're living in. That's the biggest scam in the world, yeah. insurance. There we go. <laughs> Uh, so as we said, I think the easiest way is to advise and educate, not prescribe. Because again, it's outside the scope of practice of a personal trainer. And a prescription is like, yeah, it's always, it usually has a figure. Yeah, dosage. It, like Dosage. I want you to take like, this supplement at this dose yeah. at this time. And that supplement could be chicken. Yeah. 100 grams of chicken after your meal or after a workout. Yes. Mm, you don't have to do. So whenever I start working with, or whenever I, I've not worked with a client for a few years, mate, I think that might be a YouTube series though. You work with Or clients. not a series, but like, I, I, um, I go back on the gym floor after 15 we years. We both want to do this, don't you? You want me to do this in pure gym. Yeah, I want you, you want to, to go, go away from your third about, space yeah. luxury <laughs> of getting given towels as you enter the gym to being like, right, you're going into, nothing against pure gym. You're going to pure gym where it's a different format and it's going, right, you got 30 days to go and so work like, in the pure gym. Fill my books. Fill like your that. books, yeah. yeah. And and going through the challenges. One, I think, because it would be good content. And two, we would learn a lot from that. I think I'd learn a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So whenever it comes to sort of nutrition coaching, break it down into different stages. You've got the analysis stage. You've then got the selecting or advising a nutrition approach that would work for that client. And then once you've done that, nu- nutrition isn't a set it and done. 
it would be like, how do I adapt? How do I coach and educate and adapt their approaches? And this is going to be part one of the episode in part two. I think I'm going to give you, what, 12 to 13 different methods, 12 dieting methods that you could potentially advise your clients to adopt to help them achieve their goals. I mean, I'm currently tracking after an old overindulgent October. So this yes. might might be a good show for me. Yeah, yeah, so Tom would definitely. And I said to Tom, what calories are you on? He's like, doing 2,000, 2,500 calories. So I said, oh, either a deficit or maintenance. <laughs> quite a large range. But uh, again, you um, are using that approach. And as you said, you're having the flexibility of, well, if I'm not that hungry, I'll just stay on 2,000. If I've had a busier day and I've maybe a higher activity level and you do feel hungry you're, yeah, you've I'll got that to range to yeah it's because I've, I've also I haven't got a date in my head where I want to be by a certain date yeah. or anything where I've worked out how many I need to be down by and I want my training to still be number one yeah so whenever we look at analysing so as we said the different stages analysis selecting a nutrition approach and then actually adapting and coaching a client through that using nutrition to get them to achieve their goals with that so when we look at analysing a client's nutrition, you've got to go, why do we do that? How do we do that? And what do we actually need to analyse someone's nutrition? And then I came up with the PF, which is the PPF. So you look at the past, present and future. So Tom, if we start off with some of the whys, why do we need to analyse a client's, a new client's nutrition they're coming to us? So they're painting a picture of their nutrition history, yeah. what their diet is like right now. That's exactly what we want to see but most people go to a nutritionist and they're like oh yeah and then they'll they're like oh, i want you to track for a week and then they'll immediately change their nutrition because they're tracking yeah which is okay so it's just like writing down what exactly you normally have you want to be like it's normally an onboarding week you're like can you just write down what you normally yeah. have yeah just don't, don't change don't anything change anything they will but automatic like subconsciously <laughs> or even consciously they will yeah. go oh i'm just and that's the thing because they start tracking they probably not track before so they go oh my oh, god, god i didn't realize i especially if they're using like a, a my fitness power or other apps where they're actually tracking the food yeah, rather so than I, eyeballing I've, it i've i've gone back on like even advising them to use my fitness power starting off on the onboarding week. all i want is just write it down and then do a little picture to me and be like so the, so they don't know the calories in it yeah. To, maybe they'll can, look at things. You can eyeball it. I can be like, all right, cool. Like, that's probably what they have. That's probably what they have. And I'll try and work it out. And then they'll track the week after. Well, that's actually one approach of the methods, Tom. Oh, that ad lib with photos, <laughs> which is, again, I'm going to go through the pros and cons of each method. So, so yeah, you also said their relationship with food is why you do a little. Yeah, and prep. it's some of the words they use as well. So, again, if they're like, I've been on this diet, I've been on that diet, basically give a stupid name about a diet and restrict whatever food groups and whatever that diet's thing is. And then I always like to use just the, the vocabulary they use. If they sort of highlight good foods or bad foods or clean foods or dirty foods, then again, they've already made that, they've got that sort of, they're classifying foods as good or bad rather than food just being food. Yeah. Um, and then again, we're, the reason why we do this is we're gathering that data to, as Tom said, to paint that picture, to see where they are currently, to see how their relationship with their, their food, how they have that, if there is their emotional connection with that food. And then all of that information is going to help us as their personal trainer to be able to go, I feel like this would be the best approach for you starting off. And again, the reason why I say adapting and coaching is there's many different ways you can 
approach nutrition with a client and you may think this is the best way based on the information we're collecting, which we're going to talk about the how and what to collect just, just very shortly. But once you're using that data, it's just going to give you a better opportunity to pick an approach that's going to best fit that client where they currently are in their life and with the, the goals that they're probably looking to achieve. So how and what do we do when it comes to analysis? So we ask a combination of questions and I'm going to give you some questions or myself and Tom are going to go through some of the questions that we used to use when we were shredded by science um, to gather that information. And then I also get them to do like a four or seven day food diary, ideally seven days. Um, if it's four, then I want a workout day, rest day, and then I want to see a weekend's worth. Because we get it all the time. I'll be really good during the week. And then bang, Saturday comes or Friday night comes or Saturday or Sunday. And it's really weird because I, I find the weekends a lot harder nutrition wise um, than if I was going to a place of work and taking stuff with me and being sort of, when you're work, you're there. And then when you're, it's the weekend, there's less sort of structure and routine. But I know some people find it easier for that way. So I suppose you'll, you'll be looking at, at that. So at least four days, ideally a rest day and a workout day. And this will depend on your type of client. So when they're shredded by science, we had people that were really into the gym. Yep. So they probably already have a, they might come to us going, oh, on my workout day, I have an extra 25 to 50 grams of carbs. So I want to see if there is a difference or even little things like on a workout day, they just get stupidly hungry <laughs> and they just eat more on the workout day. And, it, and again, it, it, each client will be an individual and maybe you do do carb cycling or and again, we'll talk about that in part two where you might go, gonna have a high day, a low day, a rest day, a workout day, or I'm just gonna have a linear approach and just be like, that's easier for me and my lifestyle to know I eat similar foods each day or for the week yeah. and I like to prep my food. Um, and as Tom said, keep it as natural as possible, whether that's using a fitness app or a nutrition login app or just <laughs> pen and paper. Yeah. Like meet the client where it's at, where they're at, right? I had an accountant do the exactly same thing and he's 56, wanted to lose a bit of weight and I just got him to write it down. Yeah. It was going to be more hassle for me over the period I wanted to do to make him learn how to do my fitness pal. Yeah. Rather than him keeping, an, I bought him a notepad and was like, you're going to write everything down. You're only allowed to fill it that much each day. Immediately that limited about what he was about to, could eat anyway. It was like, it's got to fit on there. I was like, Yep, you got to put C, P, and F next to it, and then your calories. Yeah, so you know what's happening for each bit. He was like, "Oh God, work though." So if we go into the past, <laughs> present, and future, so looking at the past, what we got, Tom? What are some of the things we want to gather the data from? We well, want to see what silly previous diets they've been on. <laughs> so, the word being silly because <laughs> they clearly haven't worked. Uh, yeah, they, they've hired you as their trainer. <laughs> and they're like, I want results. And you're like, yeah. okay, what have what you done diets? previously? But it, even mm. from that perspective, and when we get to the questions, they might have the mindset of, this diet worked really well. I lost like two stone. Cool. And you're like, okay, did you keep the two stone off? No, no, no. So, okay, so it weren't really, they might come into thinking it's a really good diet because it got them the result they were looking to achieve at that spot precise moment but yeah. for longevity it didn't actually provide that yeah so they they may feel you get clients who've been on so many diets where they feel like they're the failure but more so they was always going to fail due to the restrictiveness of the diet 
that they were trying that month or that year. Yeah. Some people kind of like rules. They've got training history. Yeah, because I, I, again, it's like we said, I don't think you can look at things in isolation. If I'm looking at their, their training history, again, some of the clients may have a background in sport. They may still, I know we're looking at past at the moment, but then I'd be looking at, well, when they were training, how was their nutrition? If they stopped training, did their nutrition go out the window as well? Because you get, even myself, from a nutrition point of view, if I'm regularly training, I'm probably more likely going to have better nutrition yep. over a period of time. If I'm not training, it's like, oh, well, sometimes it's well, like, like all or nothing. Scenario, yeah, like, well, yeah. I'm not training, so forget the nutrition. When I start training again, I'll get back on my nutrition. Mm. Um, as we said earlier, is their relationship with food. Um, and allergies and intolerances, I suppose that's past, but also current <laughs> and future. Yeah, I um, think so. But the key thing there was going, is this self-diagnosed? That, oh, I can't, I've got a gluten intolerance. I'm like, have you self-diagnosed this? Because when you've just like stuffed a load of bread in at once and you've had a load <laughs> yeah. of pasta, is it the gluten or is it just the vast amount of, of food carbs you, that yeah, you consumed in one sitting? <laughs> so that's also another one to take into account. Obviously, if someone's got a nut allergy <laughs> and we are giving them, I think when we had Shredded by Science, we'd give them like a recommended shopping list. And at the top, we'd have foods which are maybe more volume dense and less calorie dense with more sort of micronutrients. And at the bottom, if a client told me they had, they like this chocolate or whatever it would be, I would actually add that to their shopping list. And it was just really simple. Stuff you have at the top, buy more of that. Stuff at the bottom, buy less of that. But we're not saying totally don't eat the chocolate. It would just be incorporating it into the diet and again making sure it's actually diagnosed by a professional and not do you have any i have none you have none There's, i no. wish i did sometimes i think i wouldn't weigh <laughs> as much as i did if i if i did have some do you have yeah, any I, I don't have any allergies i i don't have any intolerances i i feel, I feel like i've developed this is not diagnosed okay this is self diagnosed this is self diagnosed of being self aware where i've developed an intolerance um, to dairy yeah, you're on the old oats movement. I know that if I consume a lot of milk and dairy, I will tend to uh, stink out most rooms. Okay. And then my girlfriend's not happy. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, by you having dairy, you're intolerant, your girlfriend's, you're intolerant to her. Correct. She don't yeah. want you near her. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the past thing. And again, this will sort of tie in when we get to the, the questions. And then we look at presents. So what are they currently on? Because there's nothing worse as a personal trainer when someone comes to you and they're like, I'm just on this new diet. And you're like, oh. Great. I'm like, Good. I really want you to be able to perform in the gym and uh, I want to get your results. That's why I'm on it, keto. Oh, wait. Yeah, you're like, oh. <laughs> so it, it, it's sort of like where they currently at um, and probably where they're currently at. Uh, as we said, they probably may have a bad relationship with food or it may need a re-education in a way that doesn't insult them. And that can take time mm. um, to be like, we don't want to just go, that's a stupid diet, why are you on that? Where you work with me? So it might be when you first start off, you go, okay, we're just going to focus on your training and then we'll look at your nutrition and maybe we'll try something slightly different or, or yeah. whatever it would be. So that's the hard thing, you don't want to try and do too many things at once. And if you have a client that comes to you and they're currently on a, what we would deem a stupid diet, we don't really want to highlight that 
you're on a stupid diet, therefore you're stupid. So that's a fairly awkward one to have, but I do like to have, as a personal trainer, more control rather than just focusing on just the training. Yeah. Just because I feel, as we said, to get the best results, we need to cover multiple bases to, to be able to get that. Um, the other one, say you've got your client and he's making a note of it, or if you're getting them to upload photos, not every client necessarily needs to start off tracking their macros on an app. thousand percent. I do feel though that even, I, I don't know, if I was to train like people, and I'd probably get them to like two weeks, the first two weeks to actually track just from an educational point of view. I think it's the track to the, the best of their ability as well. Yeah, so but what's, what's going to be there's, feasible? There's for an education of me and you using my fitness pal. Yeah. We know what's what, what things should be. and Should I scan it? Is it raw weight, so cooked weight? That kind of stuff. Whereas the person using it for the first two weeks, I know I got it incredibly wrong when mm. I first started using it. And I'm relatively educated in the field. So it was just like, all right, Actually, for some of the clientele, I don't even, I don't even bother. And it will just be maybe as whole calories, for sure. And obviously, my fitness power will take it all in. But we talk about um, tracking. It's like number one is just like tracking your calories, total yeah. calories. And then number two is actually tracking your protein. Yeah. Then we'll worry about the other stuff. Yeah, so looking at that and going, right, it, whether it's my fitness power and it's really easy for you for the data, but even then, there's still going to be errors when it comes to tracking. Where like, oh, they it's an uncooked weight rather than the cooked weight or they've scanned it and they've not even looked at it and it's not yeah. even the actual product of what you've actually just consumed. So I feel like obviously estimating their current calorie intake and saying whether that's through a visual aid, whether that's through an app and then obviously tracking their, their body weight as well. Are you actually putting on weight, maintaining or, or losing weight on that? Because obviously with this as well, you've got to be, have the caveat of there's, there's quite, it's, I think it's, getting more prevalent now and obviously we know of people who have built their businesses around this is mindful eating yeah um and there, there has to be a level of education of what you're eating anyway mm -hmm. um but maybe it doesn't have to be a level of education of how what your macros are for you to lose weight yeah. i don't think you have to know your macros at all to lose weight it could be a behavioral change of stop eating around that time or yeah. where you place that meal slightly differently yeah. you think about this, Swap this for that. that and do this instead of that and that's that's mindful eating and thinking about how you attack i don't know or organize your day a little bit better yeah. rather than the ins and outs uh, intricacies of that so there's a little bit of a difference I'm all for doing the least amount of changes or disruption oh, to yeah. a person's life to it's get a result. Same as training. It's the minimal effective dose. Yeah, why would you just go, I'm going to go from yeah. not training to do as much volume as possible? It's not going to be a good option. Probably going to be sore from weeks on end. Minimal effect. I want to get the best possible result with the least minimal effort. And then it's like, God, this is really easy. Mm. I didn't realise it. And therefore, it's not a massive disruption to their life. So again, estimating the calorie intake. Look roughly at the macro split. So you'd be like, all right, this person just naturally just doesn't have that much protein in their diet. And I've had it before when working with clients, you, you up their protein, you get them having a little bit more vegetables in their diet and less calories than what they've actually consumed. And they're like, I can't eat this much food. Yeah. And you're like, well, protein, yeah, satiety. Yeah. Mm. So um, it's focused on that, looking at that. Personal preference. So again, I'm looking at rather, rather than excluding straight away, it could be uh, some good practice of like including. So going, right, I just want, even if it's something like, I want you to have a multivitamin each day. Okay. Or I want you to carry on eating your chocolate, but maybe 
less frequent. Um, I mean, if you can, this is the thing as well, when we're looking at training client, if they've not really been that active and not been training, even if you don't touch their nutrition, they're going to get results. Because yeah. their energy expenditure is going to go up. Give them a few daily, maybe some step targets or some things to just help with their activity levels. They're going to get results, even if you don't touch the nutrition at all. And they've gone from not training to training two, three times a week. Um, other one that's, again, personal preferences, likes and dislikes. Uh, what their current fitness levels are, are like, um, and then also their current body composition. So from that perspective, I'm like, well, if you've got quite a lot of body fat and weight to lose, then the approach we're probably gonna take, which we'll talk about more in part two, is being more aggressive with the deficit in the initial phase of working with that client. One, because they have more fat to lose, so it's your muscles at less risk, but also, it also builds that um, momentum of going, wow, like, someone's got a large amount of weight to lose. Yeah, you could do the whole uh, thing of like the hair and the tortoise, but I'm like, well, I think there was actually studies out there, maybe I, I'll dig some up, which shows that a, f a faster rate of weight loss at in the initial phase for someone that has larger body fat, it's gonna be more beneficial to get that buy-in. As long as you then explain to the client, we're gonna do this for the first 10 weeks and then we're gonna reduce the amount of percentage drop per week as we reduce our body fat percentage. Um, so yeah, that'd be stuff we're looking at. So Tom, let's look at some of the, the now we've got the past and the present. What do we need to know for like the future sort of things to pick an approach for them? We need a direction. Where are they going to go? What goals do they have? Where, what's, what's going to happen? So do they want to look better? They just want their drop of dress size. They want to fit in their clothes better. Are they going towards a wedding? That kind of thing. Normally, current goals, they want to be able to play with their kids. They want to offset like some heart stuff that maybe the doctor scared them with. Do they actually want to put some muscle mass on or put or some weight on? Stuff, yeah. And then obviously the time frames, because that's when you could sit down with them and they might go, well, in my previous diet, I dropped two stone in like three weeks. And like, no. yeah, that wasn't body fat. Because <laughs> <laughs> no. if that was body fat, you know, <laughs> how many calories you'd need to be on? So again, you're sort of having, trying to educate a client without making them feel stupid and just going, hey, even lay, like lay people will know that if you use the term science, as long as you're not going into intricate details of science, you can say, what well, the research has shown, and people always respect science. And they're like, oh my God, science is showing this. <laughs> you see it all the time when like a, a new news article comes out and it's cherry picked the, the, the scientific paper and it's like, well, people believe it because there's a scientist or a doctor said this and a person of authority have said this. So even from that, it'd be looking at, this is the goals, these are the timeframes and just having that conversation. So that's gonna, for that to happen, this is what's gonna need to happen. This is not realistic or you would have to then be really restrictive. Therefore your probability of lasting that long on this aggressive diet your probability of success is going to be a little bit lower. Would you be happy with doing this in a short, maybe a slight, rather than six weeks, what about eight weeks? And, and having that there. Um, future, so again, previous and present data. So again, taking that all in that we've just got uh, and the goals and the timeframes and then looking at a, a approach with that. As we said, how aggressive the approach needs to be based on the how big the goal is and the time we have for that goal. And as I said, that probability of success, so again, looking at if we, there's, as we said, when we look at the 12 different methods, um, some are gonna be more accurate than others when it comes to 
a nutrition approach and being from their calorie intake and macronutrient intake. And some are gonna be not as accurate, but less intrusive for that individual. So again, it could be, you're having a lot of Coke, full fat Coke. Could you have Coke Zero? I've never tried Coke Zero. Oh, why don't you try Coke Zero? <laughs> oh, actually it tastes really good. I'm gonna, and that in itself, if a client's having like two liters of Coke a day, you might be like, who has two liters of Coke per day? I'm like, you do have clients like that. So again, small little changes to get the results. On a side note that, we, I was at the theater on Monday. Mm. It's just completely un unrelated. Um, and um, my girlfriend, they only had Pepsi and obviously she was also tracking. So she was like, oh, have you got Diet Coke? And they were like, oh, is Pepsi Max okay? And she said, no. I've not ever, no. ever uh, heard someone say, say no. no. Be like, no, it's all right. I'm going to have water. Can you taste? I think I can taste the difference, but I'd be like, nah, I'll suck it up. Yeah, I feel like she's disrespected the Pepsi Max. See, I'm. I'm a I Coke Zero plain, but a Pepsi Max cherry type of guy. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really bad, but you're a sucker for this, right? And it, apparently it matters to me. But I way prefer the Coke branding over yeah. the Pepsi branding. So I will always go for Coke. But then the Pepsi bottles tend to be slightly bigger. <laughs> they do tend to be, but I would never go, That's... I would never buy a bottle of Coke. I like it in a can. Okay. Mm. Interesting. So there we have it. <laughs> so now we're gonna finish off with some sort of, okay, so taking into account the why, how and what, the past, present and future. We've got some of the questions that we used to ask at Trilly by Science. So me and Tom are just gonna sort of maybe list them off and then maybe interject we why you would ask. We're gonna, we're yeah. gonna answer these questions? We could do. do you, yeah, because this yeah. this is, uh, you'll, you'll notice a theme, and so we'll answer the questions, and then we'll say the reason why we would ask that question, what sort of, what data are we looking to get from that, and why do we ask it? So go on then, first one, Tom. How often do you food shop? Very infrequent, as in a proper food shop, I guess it's like in COVID it ha happened more was the old weekly shop started to happen again. Yeah, because, yes, yeah, so my that I feel like this is, the first few questions are more like how prepared are you? Like, and I feel like a lot of nutrition comes down to being prepared. Yeah. Um, I would say so infrequent. It might be once every two weeks, but then there's a lot of just going to the shop, just getting a takeaway, so that, that, that'll be the thing, mine's very infrequent. Yeah, interesting, because I would, but I feel like, because I would go to the shop often, I would, I would go a lot, I would, I would shop, food shop frequently, but on almost like a, I don't know, yeah, an every other day basis, because I'm gonna go to the shop to get stuff. And then I suppose, I don't have a lot of, of fruit and veg in my- lack of preparedness as well. Yeah. But I would tend to, yeah, I prefer going to go get fresh veg and stuff. Fresh like veg, see, I'm, I'm the, chuck it in a microwave type of guy yeah, from, the fr yeah. from the freezer and just <laughs> blast it for three minutes. There's a difference. Yeah. Um, the reason why, obviously, how often do you food shop, that will determine if it's very, like my answer, you go, well, actually less, even little things like online food shopping, rather than going to a supermarket while you're starving after a <laughs> session and then just buying stuff for the sake of it. There's a reason why they have certain things on offer in certain locations of yeah. the supermarket. So if you're online, you can see the tally and then you can just make sure that it's a consistent. So I definitely would say at least once a week, probably a, a big food shop for mm. that 
because again, if you're just popping out to the shops, not only are you showing that you're unprepared, you're probably also going to be you're probably, <laughs> you're probably going to be spending more money than you would need to buying stuff that you don't oh, really definitely. need. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good question there to just find out that. Right, Tom, how often do you eat at restaurants? Again, let's say saying going to so a restaurant. Bearing in mind that we live in London yeah. and probably one of the main reasons, I feel like I'm an anomaly here, one of the main reasons for me to live in London is to go to restaurants. And that is a part of my life I probably won't let go. So um, if you're in the suburbs, I always, basically if I go back to Essex, I'm always like, what? I would say three times a week, maybe. Okay. On average, yeah, I'd say that. I'd say pre-children, quite at least okay. once or twice a week, maybe. Yeah. With children, yeah. with free children. No. <laughs> uh, it's like a restaurant's like, please, 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 Lincoln, please, Stanley. We actually went uh, to Starve India in Elton, shout out to the boys. Uh, I used to go there every week. <laughs> and uh, Lincoln slept the whole time. So I was like, thank God for that. But I think there's a difference there. So yeah, um, and again, you would then dig deeper into that. So I'd be like, okay, Tom, what types of restaurants do you go to? What types of food do you have? And again, based on his goals and stuff like that, Tom might be, I'm definitely a foodie person. I, w I don't really want to go out to a bar or a club or anything like that. I'd just like to go and eat food. A thousand percent, yeah. And then maybe a nice little Peroni or something <laughs> or a drink or some way, shape or form. Right, next question, Tom. How often do you eat fast foods? Oh, that's the thing. A lot, even though we don't go to restaurants, it could be a lot of Uber Eats, Deliveroo, Just Eats. Just Eats, um, whatever. <laughs> I'd probably say because we don't have, we're not prepared with a food shop, probably two to three times per week. I say fast food. It's not, again, it, that, that I'd probably change now. Be like, how often, I'd probably change that. Like, how often do you eat out? and what type of food do yeah. you tend to have? And how often do you get order food in, in order yeah. in? Yeah. And then what type do you order in? And I'd be like, show me your Uber Eats receipts. <laughs> show me your delivery. Like we could pull that up right now and be like, oh, actually I eat a lot more than like, yeah, two yeah. to three times per week. So again, that would then look at, okay, why is that? Um, and then what are you actually consuming? Because if, say for example, I could have a large Domino's pizza with the cookies, or I could just get a chicken shish kebab with no chips. Yeah. So what about yourself, Tom? Mine directly correlates from uh, <laughs> my work schedule normally. Yeah. And if I have less time to, if I feel like I have less time to cook or I have a lot of, uh, for example, when we have evening classes to do. You don't I, want to be cooking tend, afterwards. Yeah, I'm like, actually, I just want my food given to me. And so yeah, I would say once or twice a week. Um, yeah, but it's, it's definitely predicated on uh, what my work schedule is like. Right, next one. How often do you drink alcohol? Very infrequent. I go through stages where, obviously I don't drink, go out that much, so I won't be eating out, or drinking out. And if I, if it's like a Christmas time or part of the year when it's a little downtime, then I might go and get like a box of cans and stuff like that. But I've, or when the World Cup was on then I'll drink. But apart from that, I, I could go six months without a drop of alcohol. Same. I think I'm exactly the same. I will social drink if I'm out yeah. with people and it's the occasion too. thousand percent, I'm down. Absolutely, yeah. I want to enjoy the time. But if I'm sitting at home on, a, on like a, a 
no, no, Tuesday, Wednesday night. You're not just going to get I'm not gonna a get bit of alcohol. alcohol. No, it's weird. I'd actually prefer to be like, I'm just having a little like, diet fanta. Yeah, my um, thing is, I even if I'm not dieting, I do not want to ever consume any drinks diet like and consume calories, whether it's alcohol, yes. whether it's Coke rather than Coke Zero and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so we're, we're much on the same boat there. But again... I think there's even studies there that shows like red wine or whatever it is, one glass a day can actually have some health benefits. If you look at certain populations and um, then maybe... And then you're like, all right, well, well, how many were drink- like glasses were they drinking previously of that yeah. study? <laughs> it's like, yeah, they've gone, to, gone down to one down glass. Down to one, yeah, they was like, on one yeah. bottle and they on one small glass. Um, next question is like, how much alcohol do you tend to drink in the 24-hour period? So it could be that someone says... I only drink once per week or twice per week, but when I do, I go out, out, and I'm literally getting paralytic drunk um, and having a lot of uh, alcohol. And again, they could be good all week and then have a large amount of alcohol on the Friday or Saturday night. Mm. Um, And then the other thing with that, it could also be, so once you've gone that and you've got a little bit tipsy or maybe a little bit more than tipsy, what do you tend to do when you get home? Because if it's me, I'm, I'm... I don't have any barrier. I, I could eat anything. <laughs> I would never get full if I've had drink. It was also a, a, a thing to offset um, the alcohol as well, though, isn't it? Mm. Like you're not going to get as possibly not going to get as much hungover because the, the amount of glycogen you're taking in. Yeah. Mm. It's your body trying to be smart. Yeah, but then you, when the alcohol is in your system, that is the uh, that's the energy source. It has to be, and then you never want to break the seal, Tom. <laughs> How much did, would you, if you were going out on that rare occasion, you going to be the sensible? I'm just going to have a couple? Or are you going? I'm going hard. Um, I don't I know. Had a drink. I, I, I normally, I have a limit. I feel like I stop. I'm, I feel like I, I'm normally, I do have a limit because I don't, I don't like the feeling of being that hungry. It depends where I am. Yeah. If I'm in a place where I don't really know, I will never get drunk drunk in case I need to fight. Fight? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if, that doesn't normally I thought you were going to say like get, try and get home no no nah, nah, I'm like <laughs> it, more of the thing as in like if something happens not not that I'm condoning fighting but I've always <laughs> had that mindset if I don't know where I am and the people I'm around I don't and this I, I probably have gone like I know I have just drunk and had too much but for me it'd always be if I needed to do something I'd still I wouldn't be that drunk guy trying to fight someone when I have if I get drunk I just want to everyone's my best friend so I feel like that that would be a thing there as well <laughs> um, Tom how many times per day do you prefer to eat and why probably four to five okay I think that is again I'm up early to late I guess yeah so I I'm a, those, I'm a personality that has to have something as soon as they wake up Otherwise, I feel like my uh, I get a little bit dizzy. Okay. So I need my sugar level to be like, boom, like give me something. And then I'll be like, all right, but that's like 6.30, 7 a.m. Then I have like breakfast at chore at like nine. And then it's like pretty standard from there. It's like lunch. And then maybe if I've worked out, a little snacky. And then dinner. Oh, is it a little snacky? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, it'd be two to three. I don't want to be wasting my time prepping food, even going to get food, even having to go on Uber Eats or Deliveroo to get. My thing is, I rarely eat anything for breakfast. My thing is, twelve o'clock, and my, mine's just from a productivity point of view, as in waking up, empty stomach, not having to think about food, a, a, a coffee, and just focusing on just getting the, 
like a bulk work up until lunch. Um, and I don't really, I, I don't really get hungry until then. See, that'd be like, so our personalities would be like ridiculous because I would be like, all I, if I hadn't put something in my, like my mouth, I, all I'd be thinking about is where's my food? Where's my yeah. food at? I would be so unproductive. It'd be insane. Yeah. Right. Cool. Uh, again, that's a good question to ask just to see. Some people may have not tr played around with different frequencies. Other people, as you said, may have a really busy lifestyle and be like, look, I just don't have the time to prep food. And it could just be they just have larger meals. Uh, what one we got next time? So we've got, I mean, please describe a typical day of your current food intake. I'll say why this is a, a decent question is because before you even looked at someone's food diary, you wanted to, to see sort of what their sort of diet recall would be and to see if there's a, well, but there's not really any structure really to my day. Some days I eat this, some days I eat that, isn't that? So again, you're looking at, well, how consistent are they with their nutrition versus, um, and what do you actually recall from what they're eating versus what they're actually tracking? Uh, my typical day would be nothing to eat for breakfast. If I do it, it'd be waffles with Len in the morning, uh, a black coffee, and then, at lunch, now that I'm working from home, it might be a sandwich with a couple of little snacks. And then for dinner, whatever, that varies a lot. Um, but I've got a sweet tooth, so they definitely would be consuming. I definitely overeat, otherwise I wouldn't be in the triple digit club right now. <laughs> so again, it, I do get food in quite often. And my favourite is um, what's the duchy. So I have like jerk chicken, rice and peas, mac and cheese, wings. Like that's the thing with me. When I eat, I eat. Like, I consume a lot of calories. You eat. You eat. I eat. <laughs> right, come on, Tom, what's yours like? Normal day. Um, I'm quite, uh, <laughs> in the morning, I will have a little drinking yoghurt. One of the little actor mills is my like starting thing. Has to happen because if you find the right ones, they're actually like no fat. They're only about twenty calories, yeah. and they've got most most of your multivits in. It's a probiotic, so that's just like oh good. I don't have to have a nasty little multivit. Um, and then alongside that, I will probably have some sort of like yogurt berries or like a little prep yogurt five berry bowl thing. Yeah, that would be pretty normal for me. Um, so that's my first little bit. And then I'm going to eat again about, I don't know, nine or 10. Depends on where I am. If I'm at home, then yeah, probably crack out a little thin bagel, an egg, have that. Lovely. A little bit of bacon. Um, if I'm on the, on the road, then obviously I've got the Pret subscription. So I'm probably going to have <laughs> having, uh, something from Pret. So that's going to happen. And then, uh, yeah, like we're pretty good in terms of cooking something for like lunch and then dinner um generally speaking we tend to have like um, it's normally like what protein with a load of veg yeah else is normally the case if we're cooking ourselves and it's probably going to be the load like for example last night would be pretty normal we had like some pork with a bunch of like loads of courgette loads of like butternut squash or something like that and then loads of spinach and all that kind of stuff lots of high volume carbs yeah and like you automatically obviously i'm tracking right now so that high volume stuff and making all your micronutrients is big so 
And then, yeah, some sort of potato. And then, yeah, I, I'm, I've got sweet tooth as well. I, I'm going to be hunting for some sort of sweet-based yeah. thing. So I had one of them uh, mochi balls okay. yesterday. was my sweet thing. Nice, yeah. 73 calories. Yeah, I feel like when my calories don't really come from the meals as such, it'll be the chocolate I eat mm. or the ice cream. Ice cream's a big one, yeah. I love yeah. That. yeah, yeah it definitely cool. takes you over the edge. All right, what? Which makes you feel fuller? Large, infrequent, or small, more frequent meals? I don't... Definitely large, infrequent meals. So there's a bit of science to this as well, isn't there? Yeah. Thought, but... So from, from my knowledge base... Okay, is large, <laughs> large... <laughs> That's just my buddy, yeah, predicating this, like, my disclaimer. Um, <laughs> large, infrequent meals should make you feel fuller because you become full. Whereas yeah. small, infrequent meals, you never actually achieve the feeling of being full. Yeah, I suppose it depends on, like, are you looking to put on a surplus? Are you looking for a deficit? How much of a deficit? Then looking at what is your calorie maintenance, therefore, what is your actual calorie target based on that? Um, I feel like when I was prepping, I would train early, so I'd just have a protein bar mm -hmm. beforehand. So that was... I would never have a meal or such. It would be something small. And then... Um, yeah, my, my things, I feel like I could work on both of them if I was brutally honest. My thing just comes down to, I'm fairly lazy. I, I, it would be, when I was prepping, protein, some veg, some carbs, done. And that was it, with some spice. Yeah. And that, that, was, that was it, it was just very simple with that. So I feel for me, large and frequent is the way to go. Because if I have a small meal, and I'm still hungry. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> what I'm, am I doing? I'm in, I'm in food mode. I want yeah, some I'm like, water. I can't wait. Even though I've got another meal very not in a closer time frame, I'd still be like, I'm still hungry. What am I going to do in my life? How can I even function? Uh, do you have any food allergies or intolerances? We, we both have, this. yeah. We both have, no, I hate peas, but there you go. Favourite food, Tom? This next one's what, what are your favourite foods? What are your favourite foods? I'll let you answer, bro, but I said chocolate and ice cream. Um, <laughs> steak, I like a nice steak. Yeah, some sort of like heavily, like slow cooked, oh, yeah. heavy brisket, some oh, sort yeah. of like that. Anything like, smoked, like a smoke smoked, stack. slow cooked, like, yeah, yeah. Bodines, mm. I like Good. Jamaican food, I like. Phew. But then we My problem is like, I've got a lot of favourite foods. More of like <laughs> Korean barbecue, stuff like that. It's like. A bit tangness, that's good. Least favourite foods. Peas. So next question, what are your least favourite <laughs> foods? Peas. Peas, just peas. peas. Peas is the worst thing. I've, I've, I'm growing to olives, but okay. it still has to catch me on the right day. Um, I'm not a big banana guy. I'm okay. not a big fan of that. Um, I had beetroot last night. Yeah. It was all right, roasted. Don't really like it, but I was like, it's food. <laughs> that's the thing. Least favourite foods. Again, I, I, I will eat anything. But there'd be stuff that I, like, I, I don't tend to eat much fish purely because I feel like I like a bit of meat where I can chew on it. <laughs> if I have fish and I can consume it, I'm like, oh, that, it just goes down the I, gullet I, really I quite easy. I like fish, the fact it, it always is fresher. It has to be fresh, otherwise it's off. Yes, definitely got like, off. Yeah. But I, 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 it'd be hard for me to say my least favourite foods, I, I'd... I like vegetables, I like all fruit, really. There's, there's nothing I don't like. I think that's my problem. Peas are the devil. Good. Uh, have you been... Next question, we don't really have to answer this one. Have you been on any any diets previously and how did you find them? So a good question there is like finding out the previous diets that we sort of mentioned 
previously. And then the key thing there would be like, how did you find them? Because they'd probably go, oh, this one was really good. And then when you actually delve a little bit deeper, you go, oh, actually, it wasn't really good. And if, if it didn't really give me any sort of long-term weight, weight maintenance as such. Yeah. Um, next one. Please list any supplements you are currently taking with doses. Yeah, so I like to see this because multiple times people just take any <laughs> sort of stuff. useless supplements. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if I'm charging this much, I, I could probably, for some clients, more, yeah. if you stop taking these supplements that have no scientific data and do nothing for you and actually just start with your nutrition being better, um, I could probably save you at least... 20% or 10% of what I'm charging you for my services. Yeah. Some clients, it could be 50%. Some people just spend a lot of money on them. Um, and then one that I added in is like, are you on any medication to take into account? Because there'd be some medication that can affect weight loss and stuff like that. So I want to finish, actually, let's finish it there because the next thing could be part of the part two on the next nutrition coaching where we're going to look at 10 factors for a healthy diet. We're going to give you 12 dieting methods that you could suggest that your clients uh, try or advise them on and then how you can look to strive for long-term maintenance I feel like everyone's either in a deficit or a surplus it's like maybe just aim for a deficit surplus and, and just trying to maintain without and make it as easy as possible to uh, perform well in the gym and try and maintain body weight rather than always striving to either lose or gain Perfect. Well, thank you for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe, hit the notification, probably some sort of bell in some way, shape or form. And then we will see you next week.